0: your Bibles if you would to uh second Peter. Excuse me, first Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. We reached chapter two this week. In our study of 1 Peter. We'll just begin uh, moving into this chapter from chapter 1. I'll read a couple of verses John read down through verse 6, I believe. I think I'll read the same passage, 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and we'll read verses 1 through 6. Wherefore, laying aside all malice... And all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Our Father, I thank you for your word. Perhaps, Father, the most important thing that could happen for all of us today is to have a greater appreciation and understanding for the value of your word. Lord, it isn't this church or my preaching that is of value to the people that are here. It is your holy word, and your holy son, and your holy spirit. Father, we are assembled here. We have come here now because Jesus is the Christ. And Lord, we have opened this Bible because it is your word, and it is all by itself quick and powerful. So, Father, I ask you that you would bless your word, that you would use it, and then, Father, that you would use me, your servant. Lord, that you would, in a very real sense, just remove me, that I would not hinder that which you want to accomplish. But instead, Lord, that you would use this vessel, that you would get the honor and the glory that you deserve, Lord, here, and that the people that are here, all of us together, would receive the good that comes from your word and from your spirit. Father, I ask you to accomplish this. We ask you together that you would accomplish this, recognizing that if you don't, all is just vain. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Perhaps just a moment should be taken to... uh, take the first word in chapter 2 which is wherefore there are a large number of wherefores and therefores in your bible and what these words demand is understanding of context in other words if there's a therefore or a wherefore then you really need to know what the therefore is there for right you need to know why it's there There is something that came before the words we're getting to look at that build the foundation for what it is that we're going to see. In this case, there is a direct direct um, context, meaning the few verses before it, and we'll look at those for just a moment, but it is really the entire chapter that comes before this. Going back to the, uh, if you go back, you'll notice it says to the strangers scattered, in verse 1, when we begin to read chapter 2, we probably won't get this far into it today, but when you begin to read chapter 2, one of, your, one of the things you're going to notice is that the book is still speaking to those who are strangers, to those who are pilgrims, to those who recognize that the world in which we live, this place called earth, where we live now, that this is not it. This is not home, that this is not our last place, that this is not why we were created, that we are here now and there is a specific purpose to the time here now, but we were created by a loving God to have an eternal relationship with him. The time to know him, the time to receive him, the time of choosing is now, this 30, 50, 100, 120 years, whatever time each and every one of us personally has here, this is the time of your choosing. This is the time of my choosing. God is not willing that any should perish. It is not God's desire that anyone should lose their eternity by rejecting his love for them during the time that they live now. But this is a choice. You are a free agent. Each and every one of us are a free moral agent. God created you with a free will, and he will never, ever force you to do anything there may be many that you have met. There may be people who are religious who have, who have tried to force you to behave this way or that way. But that's not how God is. But God is pleading with us that we would not make our own choices uh, to our own detriment, but that we would know His love. If you don't know His love, then what you know is religious exercise. If you really, once you see and know how great, how good God is... I really believe, I know as soon as I realized that God was on my side. I was not on his side, but he was on my side. When I realized that his love for me was so great that he was willing to forgive me for everything that I had done, but not just forgive me, but to change me, to make me a whole new creature. Praise God for that. Now, if you want to see, let's look, first we'll just look for, at the immediate context for a moment. If you want to go back to, uh, let's start with verse 18. I say the immediate context and I go halfway back, but we have to start somewhere. We we can start with a but or a uh, wherefore, but we got to start somewhere. For as much, chapter 1, verse 18, for as much as ye know. Now this is written to those of us who are redeemed, to those of us who are new creatures, to those of us who are born again, to those whose sins have been forgiven. It says, for as much as ye know, that, but see, here's the thing. Look up here. I know I'm, I'm having, my wife says I do this all the time. I ask you to look down so we can read something and then I say, look up here. I apologize for that. The reason he's pointing this out is because because while many, if not all of us that are born again, know this, we lose sight of this. For as much as ye know that you are not redeemed, with corruptible things as silver and gold you cannot buy your salvation you cannot you were not received with the vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers you cannot be saved by religion you cannot be saved by money and you cannot be saved with religious effort Cain the very first person that ever approached God re- approached God in religious effort, very good religious effort, by the way. And God simply said to him, Cain, you cannot come to me that way, but you can come by the blood that Abel brought. And if you'll come that way, I'll receive you. Why? Because that blood, the blood that Abel brought was a picture of, Of the blood that we see here in this verse we were not received we were not saved with corruptible things such as silver and gold we were not saved by the vain conversation tradition from our fathers but with the precious blood of christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world this is why abel's offering mattered abel brought blood Picturing what Christ was going to do historically, but what had already taken place in the council of God before there was a world to commit sin on. The blood in the counsels of God was already for us. And thank God for that. But was manifest in these last times. In, actual, in other words, it actually happened during these last times for you. Who, by him do believe in God, who by the Lord Jesus Christ do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and your hope might be in God. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever, for all flesh is grass, and all the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore? Now what I want you to notice, look, look, look up here, Christian, if you would. In the, in the greater context of chapter one, we would go back to verse eight. We would go back to verse five. We would talk about the fact that we have this joy that God wants us to have. I'll read verse eight. Whom having not seen, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, you love, and whom though now you see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Even though none of us have ever visibly seen the Lord Jesus Christ. And this, listen, This is something that I did not understand before I was saved. And and the truth of the matter is, it's not something that you can understand before you are saved. Talking about the goodness and the greatness of Christ himself as if you see him is like discussing color with a blind man when you try to talk about it with somebody who's not saved. Because until you see him by faith, you've not seen him. And none of us have seen him physically. But, but those of us that are new creatures, our testimony is we are fully aware that we have met him. We have seen him. And I, and I realize, honestly, I think if you're, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, I, I understand how strange it sounds. I remember after I was first saved talking to my friends and talking to them about how great Jesus was. And I remember that they're, 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 they're talking to me like I lost my mind. And I realized, it was so obvious to me, I would, you know, my, my, my conversation was, yeah, I know. If I were standing where you are and you were standing where I am, I'm confident I would be saying to you the same thing. You've lost your mind. But I haven't lost my mind. Here's the thing. Jesus is who Jesus says he is. Do you understand? Hear that again. Jesus is who he says he is. He isn't, by the way, who most men preaching and teaching in in religious buildings today will say about him. doesn't matter whether it's uh, Islam or Judaism or Christianity. In the vast majority of religious buildings today, there are people talking about a Jesus that isn't Jesus. But he is who he says he is. And those of us who have received the forgiveness of our sins through the blood of this precious blood that our Lord Jesus has shed for us, we know. And we do rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. But let me me share this with you going into chapter 2. The only way to enter into the fullness of this joy unspeakable and full of glory is found at the beginning of chapter 2. Notice what it says. Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If you've tasted And your testimony is that Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus is gracious, and he is gracious. I mean, let me say this. I don't know what anybody else's testimony here this morning would be, but this is my testimony. Jesus is gracious. He was gracious to me. I didn't earn my salvation. I haven't earned, I literally have earned nothing, nothing. Nothing at all. What I've earned is condemnation, as all of you have. What I've earned is the judgment of God, the righteous judgment. God's not looking to be mean or angry with anybody. We've all earned his judgment, and we are going to receive his judgment. Just, just that We're going to receive exactly the wages of what we deserve. It's all we're going to get. But God said, but I don't want to give you that. It's not what I want for you. What I want to do is to be gracious to you. And I love you so much that I gave my only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? If, we've, if we know this to be true, then look what it says. Then now you, you just take your pen out and you circle these words with me. Wherefore, laying aside. Now laying aside, watch, watch. I can't, I can't do that. I'm sorry, I was gonna do that. I'll pick something else. I'll pick my iPhone, okay? I was gonna lay aside my jacket, but it's attached to my microphone, so I can't do that. I mean, I can, but it would be really awkward and everything, okay? So laying aside. So here it is, right? So I have this in my pocket, And I take it out, and I lay it aside, and I'll leave it here, by the way, because that's how I am. But there it is. So I lay that aside. Now let's go back and look at the very, so wherefore, laying aside, putting down and walking away from, that's the idea. Although I fully intend to go back and pick that up, all right? I really might not. There's a really good, I'll just get it now. Let me just get it now. This late, when you call me later, I'll have it, okay? But the idea of laying aside is to put something down, walk away from it, and not have it anymore. So let's see what God wants us to lay aside. Again, only because we have been born not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Because we are really new creatures, wherefore laying aside, and here it is. Now circle the word all, the word all. Now what does the word all mean? Just that's it. It's a very simple word. It's a funny funny thing how many times I've had people argue with me about the word all. It's like, well, he doesn't really mean all. And i say, well, you know, he's got a pretty good vocabulary. Could've, could've, God could use a lot of different words in a lot of different places, but he chose the word, to use the word all in many places. Now, listen, look up here for a moment. This is called the use of an absolute, right? Yes? Everybody understand that? Here, let me, let me show you the, the improper use of an absolute. It's a, t- it's a conversation between two people, typically a husband and wife. And here's how the conversation goes. You do that all the time. No, they don't. They do many other things. Many good, some that annoy you just as much as whatever it is you're talking about right now. But they don't do that all the time. Listen, this is important. We use absolutes. We, you and I, use absolutes so poorly that when God uses absolutes, we believe he's doing the same thing. But he's not. God is not speaking uh, in hyperbole here. He's speaking honestly he's speaking truly and this is what he says wherefore laying aside all malice now what is malice look up here what is malice malice is literally it's a very simple word malice is simply ill will malice is i want bad for you okay now look you can have earned the bad that i want for you but god does not want any of us to want bad for anybody else. He wants us to lay aside all malice. How much of it? All of it. It's very simple. God says, lay aside all malice and all guile. Now, what is guile? Anybody want to guess? Anybody want to use another word? Guile, guile. Anybody? Deceit, trickery, dishonesty, right? Um... Lying is guile, right? When, when you ask your son, where were you? And he says, I was in such and such a place, and he wasn't, that's guile, that's lying. But, listen, speaking the truth, but leading someone the wrong way with it is the same thing. Do you understand? Does anybody, listen, when I was a teenage boy, I, I quickly understood the difference between what my father would call a bold face lie. Anybody ever else? Anybody else ever grow up with that phrase? Nobody else? Raise your hand if you ever grew up with the phrase bold faced. Okay. All right. I, was, I, I learned somewhere in my teenage years that a bold face lie was going to be dealt with severely. And so I learned not to bold face lie. So what I learned was guile. And what is guile? To say the truth but not the truth right so that the words that I used, I could carefully go back and say oh no no I thought you meant such and such when you asked me where I was I didn't think you actually intended to ask me where I actually physically was I thought you were making reference to such and such oh if if I had only known the question dad I would have given you a straight answer that's guile and what God wants to remove from our lives is guile not bold-faced lying guile. So, no ill will for anybody. No deceiving anybody. By the way, as soon as you start hearing these things, you think, that sounds like the Ten Commandments, doesn't it? And and let me repeat to you what the purpose of the Ten Commandments is. The Ten Commandments were given to us. All of the law was given to us because of this. Because you don't love each other, I'm going to have to make some rules so that you don't hurt each other too much. Period. The law was never given to justify us. The law was never even given just to make us guilty. The law was given because if you won't love each other, we'll have to make some rules. But if God had been able to say to us, love each other, and we were able to say to him, we will, he would not have had to make any other rules because you do not hurt someone you love. Amen? And since the end of the commandment, since the goal of all of this is charity and that is unselfish love, out of a pure heart, a good conscience, and faith unfeigned, all we're seeing here is this. This is how that happens in our lives. Remove all malice. Remove all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all evil speaking. Be careful how you talk with one another. Just get rid of it all. Now let's keep listening. So instead of that, as newborn babes, Desire the sincere. Now let's talk about sincere for a minute. Sincere is a Latin word. Right? It's two words. The word seer actually means wax. And the word sin means um, without. Okay? So sincere, without wax. Here's what happened. You're building a statue, right? You're, You're carving a statue out of marble. Beautiful statue out of marble, and you're just chipping along, chip, 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 and it's just all's going wonderfully well, and you already have this piece sold. This piece is going to bring in a good amount of money, chip, 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 clank, oh no. You break this little piece off that's not supposed to go off. That's supposed to be there. Now, what you can do is this. You can start over, or, or you can simply take some um, wax and melt it. And because wax can be, anybody ever bought a color candle that's not the same color candle as everybody else? The answer is you can buy a a candle in what color? And the answer is what? Any color. Well, if you're good at it, you can make candle color in 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 the color of marble, any marble or granite or anything else. And so what they would do is this, they would make wax in the color of the marble that they were carving the statue out of. And then what they would do is this, they would just melt it into the spot where they had chipped off the piece that they didn't want it. And guess what? Until you paid close attention, you would not be able to see that it was flawed. So here's what had to happen. Eventually, people got tired of buying statues that had large chunks of wax melted in here and here and here. So they would sell them, and when they sold them, if they were, if they were actually good carvings, they would be able to put a sign in front of them that said this, Sincere. And that means what? Without wax. So, in other words, what you were buying is what you intended to buy to begin with. So, let's look at this. As newborn babes desire what? The sincere milk of the word. So, then what is that telling us about the word of God? Help me, you help me. What is that telling us about the word of God? It's pure, right? Listen, look, please, please look at me. This is so important. I am sorry, I am genuinely sorry to everyone here that you have ever heard anybody speak from a place like this and said things that were good for them and not good for you. Do you understand? Where they preached what they wanted to say, either so that you would come back or so that you would think highly of them. But that is of no value to any of us. What we need is what the Word of God actually says. Amen? That's what we need. And so what he says is this, while men may not be without wax, the Word of God is without wax. You want to have sincerity? You want to have honesty? You want to have the truth? You want to have something you can rely on? Then just pick up a Bible. And lean with all of your weight upon what the Word of God says. Amen? Men will fail you. Not they might fail you. Men will fail you. Well-meaning men will fall short. But God will not fall short. And his word will not fall short. Now notice what it says. As newborn babes, so putting away these things, even if you're just a babe in Christ, you can still put away all malice, all guile, and all evil speaking. You can because the Holy Spirit lives within you. And instead of having that in your life, you can have the word of God instead. Amen? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do you have the renewing of your mind? And the answer is to let the word of God dwell in you richly. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. We're going to leave here, and we're going to go back to John chapter 1. Go back to John chapter 1. If so be, that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. In order for us to go on in these things, in order for us to lay aside these things and, desi- and to desire the sincere milk of the word, we must first know this, that God himself is gracious. We must, listen, look up here for a moment. We turn to John chapter 1. We must know this for yourself. You must know this for yourself. It is not good enough for you that I tell you this. Do you understand? You must know this for yourself by going yourself to God and seeing this For yourself, that he is gracious, that he is good, and that he loves you. God wants you to know that. God wants me to tell you that. Do you understand? But he is not willing that your salvation should rest upon my testimony of how great he is. I'm simply telling you he is great, but you need to see that for yourself. So let's look at how that happens. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John, this is John the Baptist. The next day, John, seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, and by the way, he says this out loud so people can hear him. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the spirit descending and remaining upon him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. So that's his testimony. That's John the Baptist's testimony. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Anointed One. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. Amen? That's his testimony. But watch what has to happen. The next day after John stood and two of his disciples... And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, what did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God. What did he preach the day before? Wouldn't it be wonderful if all messages were this short? Amen? What did he say before? The day before he said the same exact thing, right? Listen, please look up here. I really believe all of you who have any opportunity ever to, ever, to minister the word of God, there are only two actual messages. The first one is this one. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's the first message. That's the people who are not yet saved. The second is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's the people who are saved. In both cases, it's the exact same message. It just depends upon who the audience is. So listen, if you're not saved, behold the Lamb of God. By the way, the word, I, mean, I don't have time to talk about it a lot this morning, but the word behold does not mean simply to look. By the way, you were all told by everybody, right? Every scientist in the world a couple weeks ago said, do not, what? Look at the sun. Do not, I, I can't tell you how many people asked me, why was the sun more dangerous to look at on the day that it, that, of the eclipse than any other day? And my answer was, it's not. You just don't look at the sun on, on most days, right? Why do you not look at the sun on most days? Because it's really bright, and it hurts your eyes. But it, by the way, here, we lived here, it was 86%. 86% of the sun was covered, right? If you glance up at the sun, what did it look like? A great big glowing ball of fire, Right? With 86% of it covered, you still couldn't look directly at it. Do you understand? You are not allowed to behold the sun. You can still glance up at it. You could glance up at it any time you want to for a moment. But don't behold the sun. The word behold means to look at deeply until you understand. What God does want you to do is to behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Don't just look at Jesus. Look at him until you understand what you're looking at. Look at him until you realize how he actually is. And again, it matters to you that you go to him and behold him for yourself. Watch how this progresses. Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Amen? All he cared about was that they followed Jesus. Look up here again for just a moment. We're gonna go back. In uh, in a little bit, His disciples, the disciples of John, who were supposed to be there to help John to tell everybody to look at Jesus, are going to come to John, and this is what they're going to say. Hey, everybody's leaving us, and they're going and following Jesus. And this is going to be his answer. Good. Because that's why I'm here. Do you understand? Do you realize this? Listen, God has not called us to bring people to Tidewater. God has not gone. You we know what one of the greatest problems with American Christianity is? Churches are so worried about people coming back to that church that they're not pointing people to Jesus. Do you understand? I wouldn't have you to come here just to come here. I would have you to come here because you want to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Because all we want to do here, all I want for us to do, here, all the leadership here at Tidewater should want, all we do want is that you'd behold how great Jesus is. And that you would walk with him. That's what God wants for us. That's what what this witness, John the Baptist, wants. Now, notice what happens. And Jesus turned, so they followed, right? Verse 37, they followed. Verse 38, and Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto them, What seek you? What are you looking for? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? What are you like? Where do you live? That's the question. And he said unto them, now underline this or circle this or something in your Bible, come and see. Look up here. What we saw is this. In 1 first, in first Peter chapter 2, verse 3, it says, if you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. How, have you, how is it possible that you could have tasted that the Lord is gracious? And the answer is you had to go find out for yourself, yes? When I, was, uh, when I was in Michigan last month, I was in Alpena, Michigan, and this woman asked me if I would like to try um, a salad that she had made. It had cut up uh, cucumbers, cut up tomatoes, and cut up onions in it. And what I said to her, she said, would you like to try the salad that I've made? And my response was, I'm not particularly fond of vinegar-based food. Because every time I've ever had something that had cucumbers, tomatoes, and onions in it, it also had kind of a vinegary uh, dressing in it, and I just don't like that. And so she said, oh, that's not what mine tastes like. And I said, no. And she goes, no, I think you'll like mine. So guess what? I have no idea what it was like because I didn't taste it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so what was her invitation? This is what her invitation was. Come and see. You, you decide. I'm not going to make you eat it. I'm not going to ask you to go tell other people how good it is. I'm just going to say, try it, see if you like it. And guess what? I tried it. Let me tell you, if you ever have a chance to have it, have it. It was a little bit sweet. It was just delicious. I can't even really describe it. It was a wonderful combination of the ingredients, the natural ingredients, all from the garden, by the way, all fresh cut, all from the garden with this little bit of like, I I don't know, like milky, sweet, still had a little bit of delicious. Can't describe it. It was delicious. Here's my testimony. Go and see. Try for yourself, right? (laughs) What's interesting is the next day, she said this, would you like some more of that salad? And this was my answer, yes, please. <laughs> and she said, listen, listen, I'll have to make some. I said, oh, don't make any. She said, no, no, I just wanted to see if you wanted some. I do, but don't make it. She made it anyway. Great, great hostess. But I said I wanted it because it was, listen, because it was worth having again. Somebody was asking me, the, the Cutting Edge, it's a little restaurant over here, um, uh, off of Battlefield Boulevard, kind of been back there. Anybody ever been to the Cutting Edge? Raise your hand if you've ever been to the Cutting Edge. Okay, so you ever had the, uh, what's it called? Cheese, what's it called? Grilled cheese. Grilled cheese and jam. Grilled cheese and jam. And with bacon on it too, by the way. You can think whatever you want to think. <laughs> Go try it, amen? <laughs> Go try it. If you don't like it, call me. I'll come eat the rest of it, amen? <laughs> it is delicious. Listen. The 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 purpose that I mention these things is my testimony is that Jesus is far more wonderful than I could ever tell you. But the only way you'll know is if you stop believing what religious people have said to you and go find out for yourself. He said come and see. Isn't it wonderful? He said just come. Just come and be around me. Then you decide. And they came and dwelt there, and they bowed with him that day, and it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, this is verse 20, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon Peter, and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. So Andrew goes to get his brother and says this, we found him. We have found, come and behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Come and meet the Messiah, Amen. But all he said was this, Peter, you come, you look, you decide. Look, look what it says. And he brought Jesus, and Jesus beheld him and said, Thou art Simon, the son of, uh, son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. And the following day, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and find Philip, and saith unto him, uh, Follow me. And Philip was a Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, we have found, of him, found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And listen, and Nathanael said unto him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said unto him, what? Come and see. Come and see. Look up here. Now the testimony of 1 Peter chapter 2 as those of us who have come to see that Jesus is worthy, to see that Jesus is really gracious, that's what it says, put away the things in our life that would... Why? By the way, why put them away? L- look up here. I promise you, if I had run into more genuine, spirit-filled Christians when I was a teenager, I would not have been 22 when I was saved. I was turned away from Jesus by those who f- called themselves his followers. In fact, I turned away completely from Christianity as an entire religion and began to examine Jainism, Taoism, a bunch of different Eastern religions. You want to know why? Because I met so many hypocrites. That's the problem. If you are really a new creature, then put away all the nonsense that testifies falsely about how great Jesus actually is. Amen? Yes or no? The people around us do not need our religious activity. They need our Savior. But in order for them to want our Savior, there'd have to be something better in our lives than there is in their lives, besides our quote unquote petty rules. Do you understand? Really, do you understand? This is what God's calling. Now, listen, if you're here this morning, on behalf of all of those who have ever been a hypocrite, I apologize to you for how badly. Uh, American Christianity has represented how great Jesus actually is but I promise you he is worth going to find out by yourself he is worthy of you going to meet him he is worthy of it amen he is worthy of you going to meet him now that's it for this morning this is our crossing the threshold into chapter 2 of 1st uh, Peter but before we before we're dismissed this morning let me ask you this question and I mean this sincerely how many of you recognize, or are beginning to recognize, I don't want to say it as if you just had this, want this revelation, but honestly, how many of you are beginning to truly recognize how important it is that we not walk after the flesh, but that we walk after the Spirit instead? Raise your hand if that's really true for you. And how many of you, okay, go ahead and thank you. Now put your hand in bed. How many of you would recognize, I don't have the power to put away all of the things that God wants to put away in my life, but I believe He has the power to put them away, and I need Him to do that. Would you raise your hand if that's true for you? Amen. Now, if you're again, if you're visiting with us, or if you're a member here and you're still not saved, I'm telling you, Jesus is worthy, and Jesus is wonderful, and I would be glad to help you. Truly, glad to help you. To just, just all I would do is just. Oh, I'm going to do is just open a Bible. I know I've said this a lot of times. You don't need me. You just need a Bible. You just need a Bible and honesty. Those are the only two things you need. You need a Bible and honesty, and you'll find out how great Jesus is. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that it is quick and powerful. I thank you for your invitation to all to come and see. And then I thank you, Father, for your admonition to those of us that have tasted and have seen that you are indeed gracious that we would continue to come and get the sincere milk of the word and that we would put away all lying, that we would put away all malice, that we would put away all hypocrisy, that we would put away all manner of evil speaking in our lives and that our lives would be filled with grace, that our lives would be filled with your love and your goodness. Thank you, Father, for all of this, for all of these things. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' holy and wonderful name. Amen.